0: Books are cool on this episode of Attack of the Killer Podcast.
1: Attention planet Earth and beyond. Stay tuned for Attack of the Killer Podcast.
0: Insane Mike, the host of Attack of the Killer podcast, and we are here live at LibCon
2: 2. Dos. Excuse me. That's uh, Spanish for two.
0: Oh. And so it's awesome to be here. Um, now, uh, if, if you have not heard of our show before, I will tell you a little bit about it. What we are is we are a horror movie podcast group of friends we get together we talk about the one thing we all have in common and that is horror movies and so with this episode being live here at libcon 2 here at the iowa city public library we are going to be talking about movies based on classic literature so that'll be cool now where can you hear attack of the killer podcast well i'll tell you you can hear Attack of the Killer podcast on our very own podcast network called the Prescribed Films Podcast Network. That's right, the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, and there's a ton of cool shows on the network—seventeen different shows, including ourselves. Um, you know, we're kind of the flagship of the network, but there's a lot of great stuff on there. You know, you can hear all kinds of discussions about different, you know, like movies and and television shows. You know, all kinds of pop culture goodness on the network. TV
2: horror hosts.
0: Yep. Yep, yep TV movie TV movie horror hosts, all, all kinds of cool stuff. Yep. Um, you can check out the network and find our show on the network at thepfpn.com. I'll spell that for you. That's thepfpn. How do you spell the? T-H-E. <laughs> took you a uh, second. Took a second. <laughs> Longer than it should. Uh-huh. Dot, D-O-T, no, you don't spell the word dot. No, uh, no. Com, C-O-M. You so screwed it up. <laughs> People are going to be so lost, so lost <laughs> on the worldwide webs. Um, yeah, oh, and I should mention too, we, dis- we openly discuss the films uh, within our topic that we pick, and so there may be spoilers, so heads up there. Um, yeah, what else do I have? Before we get into it, uh, I want to take a quick moment and give a shout out to our sponsor of our show, Shutter. Shutter. Now, if you don't know what Shutter is, it's an online streaming service where you can, you know, it's 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 a cool streaming channel where you can check out. You know, it's got tons of horror movies, TV series. It's awesome. It's a really cool. Um, they're a sponsor of our show, and if you. Um, If you are are not familiar with Shudder and haven't checked it out, it's only $4.99 a month, $49.99 for a full year. Um, And since you were cool enough to come here to our live show, I'll hook you up. I'll give you a free month. How's that? That's
2: pretty special.
0: That's right. So if you put in our special promo code, AOTKP, you can get a month of Shudder for free. So, since we are here live at LibCon 2, we're going to talk about classic literature, uh, and classic horror movie literature turned into movies. Uh, But first, I should probably introduce you to the podcast crew. First up, he read a book once, Jason Bollinger.
2: That's maybe once. That makes me really nervous about this episode, for I am not a reader, and books are hard.
0: And so, this will be interesting for me. And also, his high school book report was on Shakespeare. And he wrote it in pen pen because he couldn't decide which pencil to use. To be or not to be. Tad Good, everybody. Oh, my
1: gosh. So bad. Hi. Yeah, yeah, and his son is here, so it's it's very fitting that you're doing dad jokes. I I always do dad jokes, and that's what you can hear. That's the level of
0: comedy you can get on Attack of the Killer Podcast. So, yeah, classic horror movie literature turned into horror films. Um, When I think of a topic like that, the first thing that springs to my mind is Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, which has been
1: you know still being done today. It's been done countless times, and you know, the most famous one that everybody sort of knows is the Universal Monsters version, and I've always sort of found it fascinating that sort of like, you know, they say like Santa Claus was almost created by Coca-Cola, the image that we have with the, the big guy with the rosy cheeks. I feel like Universal created what we know as Frankenstein's monster. It's not described like that in the book, but we we picture him as having green skin, even though as the movie, the original <laughs> Universal, Black and White, we black know he white. has green skin, uh, bolts on the neck, flat head. You know, Jack Pierce sort of created what we know, and it's almost jarring to see, you know, how Hammers portrayed him or other movies because they set the standard, and that's what we're sort of used to seeing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, you mentioned Jack Pierce, the guy who did the original makeup for it and so that's that's the classic look the flat top head and all that all that jazz Um, there's some interesting like uh, Frankenstein tropes I know I talk about this all the time when it comes to zombies and when we bring up eternal living dead and how that is the movie that established zombies eating brains and no other movie has done that be it anybody Everybody everybody knows that zombies eat brains um, and it's just weird how that has leaked into, you know, the culture. And equally so with Frankenstein, like, the character of Igor, which is synonymous with with, Frank, with the Frankenstein lore, that character didn't even get introduced. I don't know if he's in the original book or not. I don't know if he's in Mary Shelley's book. But in the movies, he didn't get introduced until the third Frankenstein, Universal Frankenstein monster movie. And um, um, it was... Uh, I don't remember the, oh I don't remember I didn't write it down either the name of the original name of the lab assistant from the first two Frankenstein movies but in um, in like I think it's Son of Frankenstein's the third one and uh, the assistant um, of Igor was played by Bella Lugosi in that one and in the fourth one Ghost of Frankenstein so that character didn't even and they didn't they don't even spell it in the traditional way we think of Igor to be spelled they spell it with a y so, right, right. Um, so I find that fascinating, and the fact that like you know everybody's portrayal, like the modern man's portrayal of uh, of Frankenstein, is always the uh, you know arms out and everything. That whole concept didn't get introduced until, um, and it was only done really once in those Universal monster movies. I, I think it was either I think it was Ghost of Frankenstein or maybe House of Frankenstein which at that point, um, it was either Lon Chaney Jr. I think it was Lon Chaney Jr. But the reason why he did the arms out and everything is because um, the monster goes blind in that movie. So when he's reaching out like that, it's because he's blind. He can't see where he's going. And that's the whole reason for this. So it really has nothing to do with the monster per se, wow. but yet that is our everyday perception of the of the monster. That's pretty crazy.
2: It seems like it's part of the. The monster has nothing to do with them being blind,
0: but yeah.
1: Well, is, is that sort of the first, um, would you say, one of the first franchises that had sequels after it, Frankenstein? I mean, I, don't, I can't think of anything really earlier that had multiple sequels.
0: Well, I don't, know, I don't know which sequel came first, Bride of Frankenstein or Dracula's Daughter, but it'd be one of those two because Dracula came before Frankenstein. Yeah. But I don't know when the sequel started. But like like
1: with Bride it's almost if not bigger than the original cuz you know she's just as infamous as Frankenstein's monster. So yeah. it's interesting that when you go back and watch it it's it's not what you sort of have in your head if you're not familiar with Bride of Frankenstein going back and watching it there's a lot of comedic elements to it. There's some really weird stuff like the little you know the, the mini characters that are on the desk some of those special effects are really cool. Uh, going back and watching that, but it's totally very different from the first movie. You know, the first movie is very simple. They create mm-hmm. the monster, um, goes bad, as you expect, <laughs> and, you know, ends in tragedy. But, you know, the second one's a lot more complex, and it's interesting, you know, sort of like they've they've done with some of Stephen King stuff. He writes one book, they base a movie on it, it's successful. we got to make another one, even though there's not another book. You know, yeah, How yeah. Many Children of the Corn movies, you know, based on one very short story by Stephen King. It wasn't even a full novel, and it has tons of movies. So, you know, Frankenstein spawned one film that's turned into a whole franchise, and it's still going. And there's spinoffs and parodies, and, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously, my probably my favorite Frankenstein movie is Young Frankenstein. You oh, know, that,
0: was, that was number one on my list, too. Yeah, it's, it's, it's
1: got to be my favorite um, adaptation, you know, it's loosely based on that story. It's more based on the movie based on the book. You know what I mean? Um, it's sort of making fun of the universal tropes, but they do it so lovingly and it's so well done. Uh, to me, it's it's just perfect. It's
0: That's why, like, Mel Brooks is going to be forever, like, the master of, like, film parody and film satire. Like, Young Frankenstein, Blazing Saddles, Spaceballs. But Young Frankenstein in particular, they even... He even went so far as to get some of the original, so, like yeah, you know, some of the original sets and some of the original crew from those Universal days that knew how to shoot in black and white. You know, because you, you you take for granted that the fact that there is a technique to shooting in black and white. You can't just shoot any old thing in, in black and white and have the same. Like depth of field that you get in 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 most black and white movies, or even just that classic Universal look and sound. Even if you go back and watch Young Frankenstein, it's got that like, oh yeah, that um, I don't know what you'd call that that sound, that more distant sound that you get in those uni- those classic films. So yeah, and for when I was a kid, for the longest time, I thought it was part of the Universal oh. um, Universal franchise. <laughs>
1: It's that close it's though. it's definitely you the want, one I yeah. rewatch the most. I mean you know if you don't I, I guess it's considered its own thing, separate you know obviously from it's it's not done by Universal and it's not part of that series, but if we're talking adaptations of that classic story, that's funnily enough the the one I watch the most I would say I watch it like every year and i've I've seen you know the original Frankenstein and Bride several times. I don't watch the sequels a whole lot uh I like the hammer stuff, you know, but it's it's just synonymous with halloween season you know yeah and there is a an earlier version of frankenstein that was recently sort of restored and you can actually i think find it on youtube have you seen that one it's like sepia tones and i think it's uh-uh. like 19 like oh it's really early it's oh the
0: original silent film yeah 1910 was the yeah. original film and it's that's the um
1: it's very eerie <laughs> and it's like it's sort of you know, sort of a brother or sister film to Nosferatu in a way that it looks very similar. It's, it's sort of, you know, high contrast sepia, and and that could just be you know just a bad transfer or whatever. But
0: well, that for the longest time was kind of kind of like a lost film. It was like right. the the Ark of the Covenant as far as like movies go. <laughs> I'm trying yeah. to find, trying to find a decent uh, a print, a full print of that even so. Um, the fact that there's any existence of that to this day is amazing so and it and it's such a different like uh, the monster itself is so different looking than than what you see in the universal um than the universal films
1: well that's that's what the thing is interesting to me too is that universal you know obviously long removed from now it's they're very old, but those looks are still copied to this day not just Frankenstein but the vampire. You know, with the the widow's peak, the Bella Lugosi look of that character was not, you know, and that's another, you know, I, I don't mean to move on to Dracula, but you know, it, it's a it's another thing where they created sort of a character for um, a monster that necessarily wasn't pulled from the book, and that's just become what a vampire or Dracula is. You know, you, every Halloween you see a kid dressed up with a painted-on widow's peak, and the, you know, and and that's loosely based you know evolved over time but um, you know Bella's version of Dracula is definitely his own and it's in, sort of created the standard just like you know the Boris Karloff Frankenstein monster.
0: Yes and uh, you know the interesting thing one of the things I like about the original Dracula well I mean and that version of Dracula was a stage play first uh, and Bella Lugosi was kind of the guy to play Dracula in that original stage play. Um, so when you watch the movie, uh, Todd Browning's uh, movie, it's cinematically not very good. It's very stage play. <laughs> it's, it's very flat, very stage. It's, it's a stage play just with a camera set up. But then, like, what they did at Universal is they wanted a Spanish version as well. So they would shoot the the American version throughout the day and then when that cast and crew would go home the Spanish cast and crew completely different cast uh, would come in at night and shoot the Spanish version now if you watch that Spanish version it's far more cinematic you know the camera actually moves and and you know and there's close ups and stuff like that something you'd see more in an actual film um, but uh, um, so it's quite interesting as much as that that you know, the Bell I think the Bell Lugosi version is synonymous because of Bell Lugosi because the movie itself is pretty flat. But if you watch the Spanish version, it's it's far more cinematic.
2: Before we move on from Frankenstein, do you guys have a a modern version that you like? In the I last-
1: actually really think um, Victor Frankenstein is underrated with Daniel Radcliffe. Dang it! I
2: have that, and I just haven't no, I watched it I yet. I saw it in
1: theaters, and maybe it was because my expectations were so low. But um, <laughs> I love Daniel Radcliffe. I thought, yeah. outside of the monster himself, which it's not really. Th- this one's more based on the two characters that are that are creating it, creating the monster. More uh-huh. so, you know, Victor himself, rather than the monster. Um, that you know, you, you you don't really get a taste of the monster till the very end, and it's sort of. It's, it's just not it's, the focus. Well, yeah, and but it's the design itself. I feel like if you stray too far from that, you know, Boris Karloff version, you, you have to. It, people will get upset if you do too close because you can't because Universal's very. Yeah, you can't. Yeah. But you can't stray. It, it has that very much, um, like Van Helsing, where he has like the stitches and that you know is created in a lab, and it's probably more realistic to what the book would be that you're creating a human out of another human because. You know, Jack Pierce obviously set the standard, but that monster doesn't look like someone that would be created out of other people. I, I don't really even... It doesn't really yeah, make sense that he has, he has like a smooth... It's, it's perfectly smooth <laughs> and comes up and has a hard edge, you know, and they obviously yeah. exaggerated it for the monsters, like Herman Munster. Yeah. You talk yeah. about, you know, went from the book to Frankenstein to creating a sitcom series on TV where a Frankenstein's monster played the father... To a little you know werewolf child, and it, it's it's so crazy to think how that evolved to that you know um, that he there's a talking version of Frankenstein's monster who does comedy bits, and he's a big you know clumsy idiot on the show. It's 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 awesome. Like we don't have stuff like that on TV anymore. But that's, that's another true. one of my favorite, I guess technically adaptations, but it's so far removed from the original novel. You know, it's based like just like Young Frankenstein is based more on. You know the Jack Pierce makeup in that character, making fun of that, than necessarily the the origin story. Yeah.
0: Did you have a
2: uh, favorite modern? Only well, I mean, uh, speaking of being super far removed, I was just now thinking, like, would you consider May
0: derivative enough? May sprung to my head, and I was going to bring that bring that up for you know,
1: especially for you. I would say, do you consider any time someone creates a person out of other people? Right, I guess it's got to be from that. Right, that book started it. it I know it It kind of segues
2: into another author, but Bride Reanimator is pretty, yeah, definitely inspired.
0: inspired.
1: Yeah, definitely inspired by that. You want to know my favorite modern Frankenstein? What's your favorite modern Frankenstein, Mike?
2: Frankenhooker. Oh yeah, (laughs) Frankenhooker for sure. The last, and then the last, obviously one that I love, love, love is, um, bogus. Uh, monster Squad. Monster oh, Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: and it's so good. It's, Which doesn't really tell
0: the tale, it but it's got the monster. Yeah, it.
1: it sort of yeah. relies on you knowing those characters and where they came from and their origin stories. But that's really the only movie that's sort of been able to uh, to use those, almost completely reuse those designs. I mean, they're the most faithful to that original.
0: As close as they could get without getting sued. Right. You know? and, and, it's and vibe a m- of it. And right. And vibe yeah. of all the Universal
2: Monsters. Right, yeah.
1: Yeah. And you know, uh you know, just watching like not to get too far off track, but watching, you know, Wolfman's Got Nars a documentary and uh, talking to the special effects makeup guys yeah. and how they had to redesign like Gilman and some of these characters that were a little too close, they like riding that line of how close can we get to these designs? but you wanna have recognizable characters because you instantly recognize the bolts in the neck and the flat top of the head, that's Frankenstein's monster. The cape, I mean, they, they play like they're almost Halloween costume versions, you know, because they've, they've yeah. slowly evolved. I mean, you know, Bella had a little bit of that Widow's Peak, but now it's exaggerated in every version of it, yeah. you know, to the point where when kids dress up, they paint it black on their forehead and with a white face. Like, that's not at all how he was, but it gets played up like that to the point where it's, you know, built up over time.
0: Yeah, it keeps getting longer and longer. <laughs> yeah. It almost looked like they should be a member of the Misfits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you guys watch horror movies? Do you guys watch scary movies at all? Have you ever seen the Monster Squad? Not seen, that one. Not seen that one? It's good. It's really good, and it's really it's 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 a bit more family friendly. It came out in like the time of Goonies when Goonies came out um, and it's so it's kind of like the Goonies meets the classic monsters because it's got Wolfman, Frankenstein, uh, creature from the Black Lagoon. Uh, oh, and the Mummy, and it's 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 really funny. It's a good
1: movie, yeah, and pretty
0: appropriate. Oh yeah, yeah. Kind, yeah. Of, is, kind of like Scooby Doo. Yeah, yeah, a bunch
1: of kids on a uh, adventure, and they end up having to fight against the monsters.
0: But it's something that kind of is a little bit for everybody. For us adult horror movie fans, it's cool because it's got really cool looking makeup on the monsters and stuff, and stays true to the mythos of all those characters, and you know. But it's a bunch of kids. Kind of sort of fighting monsters. Yeah, kids on bikes, which is a popular subgenre today. We're day. all
1: back to that with Stranger. I'm sure you guys know Stranger Things. It's heavily, yeah. I would say this. That Stranger Things gets a lot from Monster Squad. Yep. Yeah. For yeah sure. Monster
0: Squad is one of those movies that Stranger Things um, adapted from. I think so. Yeah. So where we on? Um, Modern is Where we were talking. Oh yeah. Did you see yours or was yours May?
2: Yes, let's go with May and
0: Bogus. And Monster Squad, okay. So then, um, so getting into some other authors, like we consider uh, cla- for classic literature, there's Edgar Allan Poe. Kind of a biggie. Kind of a biggie. But what's, what's interesting about Poe is that, like, there's a lot of adaption of, of his stuff, and it's usually maybe, usually basically maybe four or five of his stories tops. Right. Yeah, right, they like get recycled over movie. and over again. Yeah, but the thing is, it's like I feel like there's so many adaptions of Poe's work is because his stuff is public domain. Right, and so that's you can, yeah, don't have to pay for it. Exactly. Yeah. So you can have the name recognition, and so uh, I assume
2: we'll be doing one or two soon too. Oh, we should. Those. Yeah, we should. For real.
0: So um, favorite Poe adaptation? I don't want to go first. Oh. Okay, you can go
1: first.
2: Oh gosh. Well, oh man, we w- I watched a couple um, just this week.
1: You did your homework, I didn't.
2: I did homework, <laughs> and I remember watching this in school, believe it or not. We watched a couple um, old um, Vincent Price
0: films. See, how not fair is that? You know, <laughs> when I was in school, we had to watch like, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird, blah, blah, blah. but he got to watch Vincent Price movies in school. That's that's nonsense. That's not fair. It's not. But
2: <laughs> had a school of one five of, people. So I one guess of my yeah, that. that's true. We could do a lot more things. But uh, we, I just watched The Pit and the Pendulum again, and it was freaking fantastic.
1: What I think is that that's underrated. Um, there's an episode of Masters of Horror called The Black Cat. Oh yeah. And I really enjoy that. Was that the
0: one? Was was that the one directed by Stuart
1: Gordon? Yeah. Okay. And, um, mm-hmm has, um, what's his name from Reanimator? Um, I'm drawing a blank. Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs, yeah, as the lead. And he plays... Oh, yeah, and he Edgar- plays Poe in it, right? Yeah, he plays yeah, Edgar Allan yeah, Poe. that's right. So. I have seen that one. Yeah. And to me, like they did that John Cusack movie, and... Did you see it? I saw... I didn't see the whole movie, no. Okay. I've seen... Like, it was one of those things I caught at like, 2 a.m. on Stars, so I watched like part of it. But I feel like when I watch that one, I see just John Cusack playing Poe, where I felt like Jeffrey Combs really... Did you know he's a great actor, so he sold he it. Was he was Poe. Like yeah. if they did another version, like I mean, there eventually will be another, especially with, you know, biopics being so popular right now, they need to do a better Poe movie. And again, they could
0: easily do it, you know, and not pay any royalties.
1: Right. It's public so, domain. Yeah, one of the like you said, one of the most recognizable names, so I don't see why, you know, eventually it'll come down. I guess I mean I guess it hasn't really stopped a lot of Studios won one flops. Just try it again. But I don't think was it just called Poe? the John Cusack? It was called the Raven. Oh, the Raven. Oh, yeah, the Raven. which I think
0: had out of all of the Poe work that was adapted into the film, it had the least amount to do it with the Raven.
1: <laughs> right. Like it had it J- had, had nods to a lot of the other stuff, but just a catchy think, title that day. Yeah. Well, wanted.
0: recognizable title. Yeah. You know? and that's what I'm talking about. Because like my favorite Poe adaptation. Um, well, I'm going to say two. I was going to uh-huh. let you have the one. Because I thought you were going to say it. Oh, go ahead. Uh, well, number one for me is Two Evil Eyes. Yep, that's yeah, that's it was. It was like uh, early 90s. I think it was like 90, 91 when it came out. And uh, shot in Pittsburgh. Two stories in the movie. One directed by George Romero. So, of course, it has to be my favorite Poe adaptation. And the second one directed by... Um, Gary Argento, and the first one was uh, the one that George did. The story was called "The Case of Something." I was, I was supposed
2: to remember. Dang it!
0: Yeah, well, you just watched it. I know. So um, you... And it's a, and it's a really cool story, and and uh, it was one I was not familiar with, and it was a neat concept about like, uh, you know, there's this there's this uh. Um, woman who married this older man who's on his deathbed, obviously married him for his money and uh, and she's having an affair with the guy's doctor and he does this thing where he can hypnotize uh, he can hypnotize the old man and like make him sign over all of the money to his, his soon to be widow. And um, he also
2: does it to help relieve his pain because he's a doctor,
0: yeah. right? Yeah, well and then, so he puts him under one of these like hypnotic trances at one point and then the guy dies and never is taken out of the hypnotic trance so and he dies before she can before she can get the money so they end up putting the guy's body in the deep freeze in the basement um and which is what you do that's standard practice yeah i've got three in mind what you do um and she starts freaking out because she keeps hearing voices coming from the basement and, and you know the doctor's like, oh, you're just crazy. Here, take, some, take these pills and try to get some sleep, whatever. But eventually he starts hearing it too and recognizes the fact that he is still talking to them because he's in between life and death because he, is, he's never, he was never woken up from the hypnotic trance. Um, and so he's technically physically dead, but his soul or spirit is still there talking to him.
2: Super cool concept.
0: Yeah, it was a cool concept. So and, when was this made? Like, uh, it was late 80s, early 90s. I think it came out in 91 mm-hmm. or 92. I've never even heard f- of it. Because oh, they were man. filming it around the time I lived in Pittsburgh. So, and wow. that was like 90, 91. Um, and so... And, so uh, and he keeps talking about the others that are coming the others that are coming. So basically now he, his body is a vessel.
2: He's in the upside down basically.
0: Basically for for, <laughs> for those, those who who speak stranger things. Uh-huh. Um uh, he's a vessel now for these like evil spirits that want to come into the real world. Okay. And then chaos ensues. So and it's got a really cool I don't want to give away the ending but it's yeah, a yeah. really cool ending. The, your girlfriend is the girl. And that's just the first Agent story. Yeah, and that's just the first story. The second one but, is the, what, Before you sorry? move on, but okay. also
2: a very important actor in there that shows up as the cop.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> it was, well, Which will sell to 100 percent Well right? it's a total creep show reunion. Okay. Because it's got Adrian Barbeau in it. Uh, it's got um, um Oh, what's his name? The guy from They're Crawling All they Crawling All Over You. The, the Last Story in Creep Show. E. G. Marshall. E. G. Marshall, thank yes. you. He's in it. He plays the lawyer. And then and now I'm blanking on Tom. the
2: boy. Oh wait, on the
0: on oh yeah, on the cop, Atkins. Yeah, Tom, Tom Atkins, Atkins. plays the cop at the end, so it's kind of like a little Creep Show reunion. Nice. Uh, oh, and even Christine Romero, who had a small part in Creep Show, and she's in it. she's in it too, a small part in it too. Anyway, but that's just my George Romero geekness coming out. Um, so yeah. So you should tell totally you that's check just the first that's half. half. Yeah, the second half directed by Dario Argento, and to me, is the last good thing that Argento it might be. made, because um, it's still full on Argento, and he he does nods to a lot of Poe work. It starts off, and um, it starts Harvey Keitel of all people, which is weird, thinking Harvey Keitel in a Dario Argento movie, but it kind of starts off. He's he's like this like photographer, crime scene photographer but also kind of like a, a photo artist at the same time. And he, so he's taking these pictures of a crime scene where this like serial killer has been killing people all over town and he's killed this lady with like a pendulum via and a pendulum. So there's okay. a nod to that yeah. right off the bat. And of course, in Dario Argento's style, he has to do the POV shot of the pendulum as it's going okay, yeah. while the body's still laying there. So you go yeah. right, oh, so it's you go right so in between cool. the gore, so the goo, cool. the guts. And it's awesome, um, and so but basically it's the Black Cat story, and I think it's called the Black Cat, right? Right. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Black Cat story, but just really padded with Dario Argento Yeah. So, um, yeah, but it's a, it's a great flick. You should check it out. You know, it, you, at moments you can really tell it was low budget. You know, it's like you know nickels and dimes that George and Dario could scrape together to make it, but. Uh, but I I love that movie. Yeah, yeah. It's it's sort on of on the tail end
1: of their peak, I'd say. For know, both of them really, yeah. yeah. I
0: mean I'll I'll stand behind anything George Romero, you know, even even Survival of the Dead, but um but yeah, I can admit that. That's true. It's it's it's, it's hard for you though, isn't it? <laughs> it is hard. He but it's a true that. form of both filmmakers and, and the, the their visual styles that I love up to those points. So so that was, that's number one, but I did want to also mention another one. Lucille Fulci, great Italian horror director. He's all right. Uh, the godfather of Italian gore, made a version of The Black Cat in 1981 that is nuts. And this is what I love about, one I love about The Italians, um, and, and what I also love about, about Poe adaptations, because it's, it's called The Black Cat. And it's in name only. Like there's so many adaptations oh, man. out there that's just just trying to capture on the Poe audience by naming their film, you know, the Black Cat or Fall House of Usher or whatever. But like but it's about this guy who's like has these like psychic powers and he has this cat that he uses as this cat to kill people to get revenge. As or, you would do yeah, if you had psychic powers. It is a crazy movie yeah. and has nothing to do with the original Poe story except for it's got a black cat in it. <laughs> so and it's it's awesome Fulci goodness That's when, when was
1: that one made 81 okay yeah
0: so that was still like during the the big peak of I think that came like after like zombie and right Um. I think uh, right around the time of the beyond and stuff like that so but uh, yeah so you have a you have a favorite poem?
1: well I was just saying like the black cat you know the master of horror episode. oh yeah yours or, was yeah. the master of horror I'm I sorry just, I'm not oh. necessarily saying oh. from, from
0: the right. audience, you have Angela. one. Yes. Another Vincent Price one, one on the Mask of the House. Red Death with Vincent Price. Another Vincent Price one, Mask of the Red Death. That was a great really one. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and, and Italian. They,
0: it, was, it was set in in Italy. Yep, so. yep. And that came from that uh, that Corman film. era Goodness yeah. times. times. Mm-hmm. That's a great one, yes.
2: Yeah, we almost watched that, but we ended up watching Pit and the Pendulum instead because yeah, we had just seen a Barbara Steele film earlier in the week, and so I had to kind watch it again. on a Barbara Steele kick, yeah. yeah just some reason, just those eyes. I don't know, but, mm. but yeah. And Vincent Price in the Pit and Pendulum is such a uh, – seems like a somewhat unique version of Vincent <laughs> Price because he's kind of well, – I don't know. He's just – He <laughs> – You say it best. He's gums – Ache
0: from chewing that scenery, man. Yeah, he's just
2: like I'm going out on this one.
0: His eyebrows had to hurt from the, all the uh, <laughs> like shocked and scared <laughs> if, expressions. If he was you at home could the see whole what he's doing, movie. Yeah, those eyebrows are just like all over the place the whole movie. And then when he and then like when he turns evil because he's been pushed too far, and that's when it's like Vincent Price at his best when he gets to be sinister and then pulls out the pendulum and goes to town.
2: Yeah, I was a big fan of that one.
1: Do you have a favorite adaptation Edgar Allan Poe? Yeah, I don't think I've seen many movies based his works. Cool, cool.
0: Fair enough. Well, there well, were you a, have some yeah. recommendations now. Yeah, now you have a list. I'm
1: I'm definitely as far as uh the catalog of films based on an author, he's lower on my list. I haven't seen a lot of that stuff. I know like Vincent Price is sort of like synonymous with him because he's been in the big ones, you know, almost like a a perfect pairing you know you almost associate those two together well it seems like it seems like the majority of that stuff came in
0: more of the golden age you know right um of of cinema um, all the way up through like the 60s and not so much mar- modern but you know you mentioned Stuart gordon before with that matches of horror he did a full feature length uh version of the pit and the pendulum for full moon uh back in the day too yes with, yes, that's right with Lance Hendrickson and Jeffrey Combs of course so you should definitely check that one out too and uh, you know it's it's what you would expect from Stuart Gordon doing a movie of Pit and the Pendulum yeah. so. and he did Castle Freak which is well no wait nope that's my terrible segue into our next author <laughs> of H.P. Lovecraft because Castle Freak is H.P. Lovecraft so yeah so
1: we're going to talk about some H.P. Lovecraft now
0: yeah King of Segways.
1: I say, can you just sort of list which uh, Stuart Gordon one is your favorite? Because that's what <laughs> it's gonna uh, that's what it's. We're all just gonna pick a Stuart Gordon film. Because I feel like some, once again it's synonymous with H.P. Lovecraft and the most widely known adaptations of those.
2: Yeah, has Stuart Gordon done non-book adaptations? Because um, he's done Poe and,
0: po and H.P. He did direct Dolls. There you go. It's a great example. All right. right.
1: Yeah. Are you sure H.P. Lovecraft didn't have a Dolls? (laughs) (laughs) Um,
0: As a director, as a writer, you could say, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Okay. What? I didn't
2: say that. You just wanted to put that trivia. I just want to bring Honey, I Shrunk the Kids up.
0: Anytime you can talk about it. That's right. Uh, Well, Yeah. H.P. Lovecraft. Can you think of one that's not a Stuart Gordon movie? Mm -hmm. Um, oh, shoot. I had one the other day. What was it?
2: <laughs>
0: I know what it is because I stole it from you.
1: Oh, so you know you're just trying to uh, quiz well, us on it? Well,
0: it's not. Um, it's highly influenced. I wouldn't say it's a straight adaptation, but in the mouth of madness. Oh, yeah. that's Oh, what it yeah. Was, John Carpenter. You know? It's yeah. very influenced. And that's the thing. You can probably talk about it's, it. You can stand here and think forever on which ones are straight adaptations, but you can. You can name movies forever that are highly influenced from Lovecraft work, you know, like anything. Del Toro obviously has a lot right, of Lovecraftian. Yeah, uh, yeah his whole career
1: is based on. Yeah, which is not a bad thing. I'm just saying, no. you know, I mean, you could you could even argue a lot of like Tim Burton's older stuff. You know, a lot of sure, the- thematic yeah. themes of it. You know,
0: yeah, I could see that. Totally,
1: but you know. Stuart Gordon, sort of the king of HP Lovecraft adaptations,
0: okay, so instead of just tippy toeing around it, what's your favorite uh Stuart Gordon:
1: I'm going to be like super boring and just say reanimated. I was going to say it too. It's All really hard to boring. top it, but it is uh, hard.
0: Jeffrey Combs makes it hard to top yes. that one
1: because
2: he's phenomenal in that movie,
0: but I do want to give a nod to Dagon
1: see i'm not I wasn't a fan of I, I mean, really we, we discussed that on the podcast, and i that was the first time viewing for me didn't i mean cool story cool concept and it wasn't horrible but i think maybe the if he would have directed it and been able to make it in his prime when he was giving more budgets and had you know more i guess more of a budget to work on the effects and stuff cuz it's a it's a product of its time it hurts a little bit with the, some of the cgi that kind of stuff um, it's not a bad adaptation it's a very interesting story and he does it justice but i feel like as far as the list of Stuart Gordon HP Lovecraft <laughs> adaptations, it's low on my list. Sure. I I mean which is I, a feel, big list. I feel
0: like the first half is super solid. Like when he's kind of yeah. running through that town and it's just raining all the time and, mm-hmm. and he starts running into fish people and whatnot. I feel like that stuff is super strong. But then like as the story unfolds more and we kinda get into the third act, it really loses its luster. Especially when you get into the CGI tentacles at the end and whatnot. Yeah,
1: I think maybe, I don't know, maybe that just completely, like, that's what stuck out to me, so it might have really hurt it towards the end, because I was into it, and I still was into it. It just sort of, that's what I remember from it most, which is not a good thing.
0: I think I just
2: landed somewhere in between you two. I liked it a lot, but I don't know if I...
0: Well, and then I, I feel like as 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 filmmaker quality goes for Stuart Gordon, again, that first half yeah, is really atmospheric. It's strong. it's strong. You know, everything's like dark and wet and gloomy and. All the things you love. Yeah. Um, and. <laughs> as an emo kid that you are. That's right. That's right. I don't know. Emo Phillips. And derailed, sorry. What? Please finish. What are we
2: talking about? Dagon. I mean, your, what's
0: your favorite? If you have to pick, dang it! Now you just you want, want to say, say something different. You have to. No, it's probably Reanimator. It's tough. It's it's a hard one to beat, man. Um, I mean, all of this stuff is is great, but uh, but there's a lot you know, of them. It's lightning in a bottle. There. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I mentioned Castle Freak a minute ago. That that one's which they're solid. remaking right now. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Another one I With wasn't a Barbara huge fan Krampen. of. Not a fan of Whoa. that one. Whoa! Whoa!
1: I'm sorry. He's, it just—he's
0: not down with the HP. I'm not guy. down
1: with what was it? Was that one a, f- a full moon? Right. <laughs> That'll. Do yeah, it. but
0: technically all of them are because I mean it. Empire. Uh, yeah, it was Empire Pictures was Reanimator, which was still Charles Band, yeah. but it felt it has like a different feel to it though. It well, that's because like I feel like Empire Pictures. Empire Pictures was quality over quantity and full moon <laughs> is definitely quantity over quality that's exactly right yeah
1: yeah so i mean yeah it's it's really hard to beat reanimator the sequels are great too but yeah. you know
0: what about from beyond i really i love that too it's yeah. right
1: neck and neck with it I uh, yep. just feel like reanimator sort of just edges over it, but I I love that too. I absolutely love that one.
0: Because I think, well, for me, Reanimator has. Well, I feel like it's it's definitely. I mean, there's a lot of gooiness in From Beyond, but oh it, yeah, <laughs>
1: probably more gooiness. But it, I I feel like maybe Reanimator has more humor to it. Um, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. For
0: what sells it for me is is the humor, and it's got that great balance. You know, my favorite stuff is always gonna be stuff that's got it has got some levity levity with the horror. You're gonna say you know, goo again? And well, yeah, I'll take goo all day long. But um, yeah, but uh, I need some relief. That's for the, what the yeah, That's what it says on his dating profile. That's what it says.
1: I feel like if like Reanimator was a person, it would probably be you. It's like a perfect mix. <laughs> that's, right. Of, you know, that's right. You know, stupid humor, uh, but gore, gore. And, and good performances. Still, well directed movie. It's still a great movie. Listen to him. A good, a great balance, good like a good man. friend. He is, he is the hype man, <laughs> after all.
0: He really is. And you, do I owe you money? What is, <laughs> what is this coming from?
1: Uh, you can uh, pay me later. <laughs> What's yours? My favorite HB movie. Yeah. Reanimator. Oh. oh yeah. Woo. That's my favorite movie, just in general. Oh really? Oh nice. Oh, cool. Awesome. Cool.
0: It came in at the right time. So good. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I it was one of those ones when um i showed my wife for the first time you're like she's either going to love this or hate this and then the next halloween she went as you know the doctor like she had the lab coat and the she put like oh. glow stick goo in the syringe and she had the glasses and i'm like That's this awesome. is sort of weird nice. i'm sort of like i'm i'm not sure how to feel about <laughs> this cuz she she went as a tra- attractive version so i'm like <laughs> but she had like the jeffrey combs glasses and the lab coat but you know and it was like I I don't I felt sort of uncomfortable <laughs> about it. You know, she she even got like a a cat prop that she carried oh, around, awesome. and when you pressed well, the cool. side, it had the light up red eyes. I'm like, oh, I'm dude. so proud. That's you know? cool. <laughs>
0: and now you can't watch Jeffrey Combs anymore. No, nope, no, nope. you know,
1: <laughs> gets all confused. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I keep say keep talking about Jeffrey Combs and how you know he's my favorite. in every adaptation. Oh we know why. Uh, Anything you ask me now, I'm just. Whatever Jeffrey Combs is in, that's my favorite. <laughs> I, I'm trying really hard not to go down a dark path with this conversation. Yeah, let's right. not. <laughs> sure, let's
0: <laughs> we start getting into talking about Barbara Crampton, is what happens or... to her.
1: I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> 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 now you're back to Full Moon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a line.
0: I, th- I still like that one, though. Dr. Yeah. Mordred. Yeah, that was, I still liked it. Well, anything, again, anything Jeffrey Combs. I mean, we just, we just we just right. talked
1: Frighteners Monday, you know, and yep. one of those one of his best performances. Maybe you could do a whole best. Jeffrey Combs episode. We could, but Easy. I don't know if
0: I said it on 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 that episode recorded Monday, but I'll say it here now. I'll I like him more in Frighteners than I do in Reanimated. Oh,
1: you said you said that was probably your That's you and Andy favorite, both said it was your favorite Favorite Jeffrey
0: Combs performance. You know, there's so much. Well, I mean, he he adds a lot to any performance. Even even freaking Fred and Ray's. Um, Phantom Empire, you know he yeah. puts he puts one hundred and ten percent into it, you know. But just like, again, like he he has a physicality about him in Frighteners and and, he, and in Herbert West as well. But there's just a lot going on in the, in that character in the Frighteners that does I just can't stop. It's yeah, I mean, every time.
1: I mean we've we've probably talked about reanimator several times, but the Herbert West his the way he plays the guy who's so smart that he's too smart for his own good, where he doesn't know, like, boundaries, he doesn't have a filter, he doesn't respect life, some people say, but, you know, he actually respects life too much maybe to the point where he's obsessed with bringing people back. But he plays that line so perfectly where he's... He he offends his roommates, he offends others, but it's not because he's a jerk, it's because he's just so smart that he doesn't think of... You know, he's just one step ahead of everybody. His mind is going so fast and he just plays that perfectly. Like I feel like Relative. Herbert West was the character he was born to play.
0: It's like when you're driving down the street, right, and then there's that little old lady who could barely see over the steering wheel driving 20 miles under the speed limit and how enraged you get. That's how he feels about the rest of the human race all the time. Yeah,
1: exactly, yeah. like We're all just <laughs> like, in his way. Analogy. We're all
0: so far away from you guys are all going too slow mentally for me. Yeah, um, but yeah, and he's got you know one of my favorite moments in Bride of Reanimator is that is that scene that I re- really really kind of shows um, uh, the more caring side of Herbert West is when is when um, Kathleen um, Kinmont uh, is you know goes into cardiac arrest and he is trying everything Herbert West is trying everything to save her life you know he could just see her as another Another tool for his experiments. Right, but another, he is free, really, another free body. Yeah. yeah, exactly. But he is really trying to save her life. And I think that's a great moment there to show the good side of Herbert West. Like the human side that we the don't see very side. often. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But we haven't mentioned Beyond Reanimator for some reason.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I heard a laugh in the corner of the room.
2: <laughs> Did you guys ever see that new-ish l- movie? That's what, Is it called... H.P. Lovecraft. What the heck's it called? Lovecraft.
0: It's no. Newish. I was trying to look it up again.
2: Um. Yeah, it's like the name of the movie.
0: You're not talking the last Lovecraft, are that's, you? That might be it. Oh. Yeah. Um. I saw. Well, I seen that movie, The Last Lovecraft, and it's it's more of a comedy. Yeah, what was that? Um, that's the one I'm talking about.
2: It was made in two thousand nine now, right? Two thousand nine. Yeah. I like called that, it that
1: recent one that was made ten years ago. <laughs>
0: Relic of the Cthulhu. Yeah. Okay, and it's really funny. Um, it, it's a funny movie. I was a little disappointed in it because the trailer come, came off funnier than the, than the movie they itself. Gave away all the funny parts. I think so. Yeah. Well, that and like, okay, I'm, I'm going way off the rails here, but the the main guy in the front posters like this chubby guy, beard, glasses, everything, and there's a film that Jason and I saw at a film festival years ago. You know, horribly made, but super funny. And it was mostly because of this one guy, and he looked exactly like the same guy. So it's kind of expecting the same level of humor out of the guy. Yeah, but, but the writing
1: the writing wasn't there. So
0: yeah, yeah. So, um, but uh, but it, it's still funny, and it's it's all Love Lovecraftian influence, um, basically. And it's a world where the Lovecraft you know, everything that Lovecraft wrote was real. And so, and and like these guys were somehow destined to be the warriors to fight these monsters, but they're a bunch of just like slackers. So it's like a, a trio, I think it was like three of them. So, you know, comedy ensues, put them in a van, go after monsters, comedy ensues.
1: Well, we, we played a movie at the Capitol probably three or four years ago around Halloween time. And I think it's The Call of the Cthulhu. And it's like... It's it's a modern movie, but it's made to look like a very old-timey movie. And it was really well done, really cool, worth checking out. Uh, oh,
0: yeah? Was that something at the festival? At the point no, point? it
1: was actually through Gather Films. Like, they had it available for us to show. And it's... Like I said, it's it's really cool that they did a lot with very little. They shot it... So it's very dark. So you don't you you sort of see more of the silhouettes of the tentacles and that kind of stuff because they clearly didn't have the budget. And I'd rather they did that trickery than actually show because it's you know (laughs) it makes it look bigger than it is. It's like you know it's it's all sort of in the dark and stuff. But they did a great job of using sort of the crutch of it feeling like old and gritty and grimy, like an old film stock to to make it sort of almost hidden. It's just worth. It's definitely worth checking out. It's really cool. I was sort of blown away by it. See,
0: and I do. I find that fascinating about Lovecraft is there's so much of his stuff that gets adapted, or influenced from, or borrowed from, or whatever. But we don't have like a ton of Cthulhu movies. Cthulhu is such an iconic character well, from Lovecraft's work.
1: Yeah, and pop culture, like you know, I mean, you could you, buy plushies. You could, uh, yeah, probably go somewhere here at this at this <laughs> event and find ten of them somewhere. You yeah,
0: know? I've always wanted one of those Jesus fishes for the back of my car, but it was Cthulhu? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: He became sort of like an icon, you know, like like people, nerds, sort of grabbed onto and gravitate towards him as almost like a religious figure.
0: Yeah, you know? yeah, that's true. And, but I just, it's weird that. Uh, it hasn't really ever been put to film yet. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. think
1: someone would have jumped on it right at that peak where I mean, there was like knit hats and shirts and plushies and pop figures, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Someone would make a big budget, like sort of fun movie based on it.
0: Or maybe everybody's just too scared of like not getting it right. Well, they got the one episode of the real
1: Ghostbusters with them, so that's true. <laughs>
0: yes, even Cthulhu is in called. the real Ghostbusters cartoon. For crying except out loud. Except they spelled it Cap Cthulhu, ca- like C A. Yeah. Yeah, 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 true. Phonetically <laughs> spelled, and I think like a lot of Lovecraftian stuff is public domain as well, and so you know they could get away with get away with that. I think that's why.
1: Why don't you guys make one?
0: We should. Let's do a Poe meets. <laughs> let's do Poe versus uh, like Freddy versus Jason, but it's Poe versus Lovecraft.
1: I was. Just, I see this going horribly. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> They're just both. Everybody's
1: at, afraid to do it, you know, because they'll do it wrong. So let's jump on it and do it wrong.
0: <laughs> my my interpretation of that is just two guys sitting at a desk on either side, just writing. Yeah, writing, writing, writing as get, fast as can. Who can get done yeah, first?
1: Uh, with like a feather, <laughs> a quill.
0: Which one's the bigger drug addict?
1: <laughs>
2: I was just gonna. I will just settle for the Pirates of the Caribbean Bill Nye character with the. And that, there you go. That's, like, That's it too. As yeah. Yeah. close as you can get.
1: Is there and any that, movies that about cool. him, like his life, like there is about Edgar Allan Poe? Is there like...
0: You know, I can't think of any.
1: I, is, I, is there an actor who's actually played H.P. Lovecraft somewhere that you can think of?
0: Not that I can think of. Wasn't there...
2: Wasn't mm, in that... Uh, Del Toro museum thing wasn't Yeah, there, there was
1: like a statue yeah, of a character a nice but I think I don't know what that was if that was from anything or I think like it was just, just a bust because yeah. you know,
0: obviously a Lovecraft fan. Like my first
1: yeah. the first thing that comes to mind if they did that would be Crispin Glover. Ooh. As But he was H.P. kind of Lovecraft. a
2: bastard, though, right?
1: Like Oh not yeah, a cool he wasn't. Dude, so yeah. Why yeah. would you
2: watch him support a movie about well, I mean, A-hole.
0: there's... there's. They
1: just made that Motley like, Crude m- exactly. movie. Exactly, they, so they make movie. movies about Charles A-holes. Manson. They make movies yeah. about despicable people right. all the time. True crime is very it. popular.
0: <laughs> oh, and we get to cast... We'll get Chris oh, like or a man.
1: Bohemian Rhapsody, but with H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> it's a musical
0: now? What's happening? Yes.
1: Well, yeah. <laughs> Rami Malek as <laughs> H.P. Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> Oscar's already being made right now for that.
0: (laughs) How are we doing on time? Where are we at? Good in
2: there. 125?
0: Five minutes left. Oh, well, maybe we should start wrapping it up. Yeah. Yeah, any other, like... Honorable uh, mentions. Honorable mentions, classic... uh,
1: Classic literature. Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's good. I need to
2: watch it again. You weren't ever
0: a fan. Never been a fan. Why?
2: It's actually pretty good, dude. It's... It's cool to it's cool to say it that you like it. There was a time where it
1: probably wasn't cool to say you liked it, but I
0: I should watch well, Gary it again. Oh. But
1: I don't know. Visually, it's gorgeous. It can be it can be a little bit slow, but it's so cool visually. The art direction on that movie is awesome,
0: and I love everything Gary Oldman. So even that Lost in Space movie. <laughs>
1: so you'll you give it another try. I, I will also another one. Honorable mention that we didn't even talk about really is Nosferatu. Yes. Because to me, now that's more unsettling than almost any take on that character on that story. Man, is it!
0: That's one of the greatest. That's one of the greatest monster designs of all time. Is that Nos? Is that Max?
1: Y- you put that Nosferatu. next to, you know, Universal's Dracula, and to say that this is based on the same thing is sort oh, of no. oh. crazy. Yeah, to think that you know. They they are both adaptations of the same story, but they're nothing alike. Look, you know. Yeah,
0: and so you bring that up, I have to give a huge honorable mention, you know, for everybody out there uh, in the audience today that have not seen this movie, you need to see it. It's called Shadow the Vampire. I so love, cool! It's yeah. such a great movie because you know we've kind of talked about like some biopics here and there. So what Shadow the Vampire is, it is. The making of the original Nosferatu, but if Max Shrek really was a vampire, and so you know, you know, the cast start disappearing, you know, and oh, one of my favorite scenes is when he's when he's sitting there and and. Um, a couple of uh, a couple of the drunk crew members or whatever come up and are asking him questions about being a vampire, and just out of nowhere, he grabs a bat out of the air and start and <laughs> eats it real quick. It's <laughs> hilarious, but uh, you got William Defoe as Max Shrek, as the Nosferatu so character. He's the only person to ever get nominated for an Oscar for playing a vampire. Fact, a- That's right, he did, didn't he? He did get nominated wow. for an Oscar. That's awesome and well deserved. He was yeah. he was amazing he in was it. So good, yeah. And then, um, why well, I'm blanking now? John the What's that? John Malkovich. John, Malkovich, John Malkovich is playing is the director, well, I can't remember the director's name now. But uh, what? Renell. Or, Renell. Something like that, yeah. F. F. Yeah, 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 yeah. F. W. Uh, Rennell. And then, uh, and then you also have um, Eddie Izzard in the movie.
1: That's right. Yep. and he's awesome. And Mm -hmm. going all the way back, really far call back to when we were talking monsters and he was the grandpa in the one episode reboot of the monsters that Brian Fuller. Holy crap. Yeah. Oh that's awesome. Did you ever see that? No, I never saw that. I loved it. Was that actually a series or was that just like a little made for TV movie? It was supposed to be a pilot that they filmed it as a pilot and then NBC was like this costs us way too much money we can't make a series so they put they were like but they sat on it they made it they had all this money invested in it so they promoted it as a halloween special but they intended the intention was to make a whole series after this and uh, it's, I, I probably still have it on my DVR. It's been a long, oh, oh, awesome. it's, it's, it's like the last thing. It's like clinging on there. I'm hoping that, you know, it doesn't disappear. But I think you, you probably can find it on like iTunes or Amazon Prime now. Nothing's ever really gone yeah. for good now. Yeah,
0: that's very true. But it's,
1: it's actually really cool because it's so far removed from the original Monsters. You, you're not going to go back and, and redo it. And they, they tried that several times with new... Actors, you know, they've made like made for TV movies and stuff, yeah. So bad, but
0: well, this isn't that one you're not talking about that one that was with Jerry O'Connell, yep. playing. Oh, that's the yeah. one, yeah. He's, he's like playing th- Herman Munster, Rockingbird Lane is what I think it was called, yeah. yeah, and, he, yeah. yeah and yeah, and Eddie Izzer
1: plays grandpa, and he's hilarious in it.
0: Oh, I so wanted to see it. But at the same time, I'm like, I look at the cast picture, right? And I'm and like... They don't look like it, but that's, don't look that's like what's good about like it, though, is
1: that to me, I'm like, it's so far removed that I'm not comparing the two. It's like, it's its own thing. It's really good.
0: And at the end of the day, that's what we always say when it comes to the R word. You still have the originals, too. Have the original. you always have the originals. always have the originals. Yeah. So yeah, so we should wrap things up. Uh, well, any other? Do you have any other? Well, questions? I was just if we're talking about Nosferatu,
2: I'm really excited about our new sponsors show Nosferatu is coming to Shutter.
0: Yeah, that yeah. It aired on AMC and now it's going yep. to Shutter. Yep. You, have you, did you see it when it was on AMC? Not any of it, no. Okay.
1: It's airing. I think it just either it just aired start... its finale or is just finishing now. So as the finale wraps, the first episode will be hitting Shudder. So you can catch it again. It will be on Shudder. And I think they're putting them up one episode at a time. Yep. Not like, Thursday, you can't binge it. it said, yep. Yeah.
0: And and those who are interested in seeing this show, and I watched the trailer just last night, and I never never knew anything about it. And it looks crazy. It looks insane. Um, but the spelling of it's really weird. It's 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 basically the spelling of a license plate. So it's like yeah. NOS, the number four. Like a
1: teenage girl texted it to someone. <laughs> that's exactly what go. it is. And I think
2: that's why it kind of flopped on AMC. Yeah, because
1: people don't get the get know it at what all. It was, I saw so. a headline actually. The the after the uh, first episode aired, it was like. Nas for to not too good. Like they, they, they mocked <laughs> it. it in the headline. I'm like, man, that was harsh, but pretty clever. Ugh. And and it's based on, it's either
0: based on a Joe Hill book or oh, yeah. he wrote the series. I can't remember which. And for those who don't know, Joe Hill is um, Stephen King's son. Um, who, what's that? He wrote book. Oh, you wrote the book. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Okay, well that's that's it for us. But I uh, want to take us out with a couple things. Um, thanks everybody for for coming out. Thank awesome. I want to thank uh, LibCon for having us here and the Iowa City Public Library. This, this is such a cool event. Cool. Super cool yeah, this, event. We're having yes. a blast. This is such a good time. And uh, uh, I want to you know kind of throw out there if you enjoyed this and want to hear our show again, you can check us out on. The Prescribed Films Podcast Network. That's thepfpn.com. Um, and also, we have a Patreon. Uh, if you go to Patreon and put in AOTKP, uh, we have different tiers. And um, you can get even more Attack of the Killer podcasts if you became a P- Patreon supporter. Uh, we post our, our regular shows every other week. Um, but if you are a Patreon supporter, you could actually get an episode, a bonus episode, on the opposite week of the show. So you could get us in your lives every week. But there's also like special videos that we do. Um,
1: and the bonus episodes have been becoming almost as long as everyone else's regular episodes. So. <laughs> the last
0: one for sure. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and um, also some more information about Attack of the Killer podcast. We are also going to be doing another live show at Monster Fest September 14th. Midwest um, Monster Fest. Midwest Monster Fest in Moline, Illinois. Um and also, we will be doing our trailer thon series. Now, what trailer thon is, is, how many people are familiar with Mystery Science Theater 3000? Or okay. Riff Tracks. Or Rift Tracks. So, we do a live kind of Mystery Science Theater thing, a Riff Tracks thing, where we do funny commentary over some really crazy and bad um, movie trailers. And so we will be doing that at Halloween Palooza, which is our own event that we do in Otomo, Iowa, uh, October 11th and 12th, and we'll be doing Trailer-Thon on the 12th.
1: So never say there's nothing to do. <laughs> Halloween Palooza, you know, it's a it's a
0: it's a big two-day event that we do that has like vendors, uh, guest celebrities. Uh, uh, film F- international film festival, a lot of other events we have going on. We try to pack those two days with so much stuff that you cannot do it all. Um, we're going to have um, Alex Vincent there, the guy, who, the guy who played Andy from the original *Child's Play* movie. He'll be there uh, signing autographs and stuff. And
2: bringing a screen-used Chucky doll to take pictures with too. Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: So Chucky's the real guest, and That's, he's just bringing his.
0: <laughs> yeah, Chucky's bringing Andy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then also we have our. Don't don't. Uh, if you want to chat with us, don't miss out on our merch table over there. Um, we have uh, shirts and seasons of Attack of the Killer podcast on on discs at the table that you can get there. But and also buttons and buttons. Yep. And we also have uh, we also make movies. Our company Prescribed Films, and we have our movies for sale there as well. Plus a comic book that I do. So we keep very very busy. Um, yeah. But thanks again for coming. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, you for the having Dracula us too. The Killer Podcast. And we'll talk to you next time.